Welcome to a special episode of the Global Dispatches podcast. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, editor of UN Dispatch. And each day this week, we are bringing you live coverage from the 76th United Nations General Assembly. The annual opening of the UN General Assembly is always one of the most important weeks on the diplomatic calendar. And this year, the podcast has partnered with the United Nations Foundation to provide listeners with daily news and expert analysis to give you the context you need to understand what is driving the diplomatic agenda at the United Nations during this key week. We are recording today's episode live at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, Monday afternoon, September 20th. So the UN General Assembly this year will be a hybrid of in-person and virtual events. Leaders who are attending in-person have begun to arrive in New York, including Boris Johnson, who took some questions from the media following a closed-door meeting with a number of key players in climate diplomacy. That meeting was convened by the Secretary General as part of a big push to accelerate progress on climate action ahead of a major climate summit in Glasgow later this year, known as COP26. And this convening on climate came shortly after K-pop megastars BTS were in the house to participate in a special day-long event at the General Assembly in support of the Sustainable Development Goals. We have two guests for you to discuss the key events on this, the first day of High Level Week. First, we will hear from the Deputy Secretary General of the United Nations, Amina Mohamed. Then I speak with Yamid Danier, Director for Climate Negotiations at the World Resources Institute. I caught up with Deputy Secretary General Amina Mohammed a few hours ago in the midst of this day-long event in support of the Sustainable Development Goals. We kick off discussing the purpose behind this SDG meeting before having a broader conversation about her top diplomatic priorities, this UNGA. Here is our conversation. Well, thank you so much, uh, Madam Deputy Secretary General, for joining me today. Thank you very much for having me, Mark. Uh, so the General Assembly Hall today is the venue for an all-day event on the Sustainable Development Goals, and that kicked off with a high-profile SDG moment and a high-energy performance by the band BTS. Uh, what's the goal of yours for an event like this today? What are you seeking to achieve uh, through this event? Well, we started this last year and it really was about the decade of action to get to the SDGs to put some real impetus behind it. And that really that was before COVID came and knocked us on the head. Right. Um, so this year, having gone through those challenges, um, what we're really trying to do is to get solidarity back behind the leave no one behind uh, to get to the SDGs, keeping the promise of the SDGs and everyone in the room remembering how we uh, had a division of labor for what civil society could do, governments needed to do, leaders would do, um, you know, everyone, uh, and how they could get involved. So it's to re-energize us for another year of activities around the gaps that we see in trying to achieve the Sustainable Development Goals by 2030, and really is keeping the promise, making sure that we really don't leave anyone behind, and, and tugging away at who are those no ones so, so that we're, we're real to it. I mean, what will demonstrate to you that, as you said, solidarity is back? 
Well, for me right now, the big thing that we're grappling with is the recovery from COVID. Um, the response to COVID hasn't happened. We are still talking about the vaccines, uh, just over 2% in Africa and 60, 70 in the rest of the world. That's just a catastrophe and there's a lack of human solidarity. So there is that. There is also the climate action that we need to take to, to, to get to 1.5 degrees. That's failing. Uh, we also have the financing that's needed, uh, not just for the SDGs, but particularly because of the socioeconomic impact that COVID has had. So really it's the response. Will we get the response we need? More vaccines out to where we need them, more funding to fill the gaps, um, particularly where countries are struggling with debt and having to make choices, choices between a debt and paying services for health. Um, and climate action, the really big question, um, as uh, the Secretary General has said, we, we have a red alert um, on, uh, on climate. Uh, 1.5 degrees is not looking attainable. We are hurtling towards 2.7 degrees. Um, so perhaps now, you know, what do we do? Because for me, there's not just a red alert on climate, there's a red alert on global leadership. So you mentioned that we are, of course, less than a decade away from the sustainable development goals. And as you said, the COVID pandemic has done considerable damage uh, to those goals. Uh, is there any very specific or concrete calls to action you are making this week in terms of uh, accelerating progress on the sustainable development goals by reversing the pandemic, confronting the pandemic. Do you have any mm -hmm. sort of concrete asks of, of member states or civil society this week? Well, well some, some, I think the first, which seems like a no brainer is stick to the framework of the SDGs because that is the North Star for getting things done and, and getting a good recovery to get us back on track. Um, that would be the first ask. And then I would say all these issues that we bring up Climate action is about transitions. It's about the energy transition. So how can we ensure that we're investing in off-grid solutions to the millions of the more vulnerable and the poor, in fact, in middle-income countries uh, that are not reachable? How do we connect everyone so that we, we can address the digital divide, but we can also bring people into an era where, in fact, technology in leaps and bounds is where we're going to be? So, for instance, young people today, um, not just because of COVID, but uh, they work differently uh, than we do perhaps in the office that you're seeing uh, me in now. Um, our digital nomads are the new um, informal, if you were, of the, of the workplace. So connectivity is important. More recently, and we will have the summit this week, is on food and food systems and how inclusive that is and a huge job provider uh, and can be part of green transitions. So all these transitions that need to happen, including the intergenerational one, uh, for, for youth, I think is, is uh, big calls that we're having to, to government uh, and to stakeholders. Um, this is all coming on the, the back of the Secretary General's um, call in his uh, common agenda, uh, which really looks to see how uh, multilateralism itself, international cooperation, uh, needs to evolve and respond to the demands of today, uh, where, where you, you obviously see there is a a huge uh, trust gap that, that is evolving now between people and institutions, people and their representation, people and their leaders. Uh, and this is a global town hall. This is where leadership comes to speak about the issues that matter most to humanity and the planet. So can we get them back on track, speaking about these very real investments, very real issues that they can, uh, they can act on? I like your framing of UNGA as a global town hall. I'd not heard that before, but it makes sense. And, you know, this global town hall is taking place 
amid a time of just many global crises from Afghanistan, Ethiopia, Haiti, climate, COVID, growing inequality. There's just a lot on the agenda. Could you cite three priorities for you this week uh, as you approach your diplomatic encounters with uh, other heads of state, other diplomats? I think the strong message again that this global town hall of ours is for a village. So it will be about solidarity um, around the world coming together to accelerate the push that we need to achieve the SDGs so that we as people individually and collectively have a stake in this and leaders need to know that this is just beyond their domain. They have to convene and they have to facilitate and invest in that future. So powerful messages to our leaders as they speak here um, that there is uh, there is uh, where that rhetoric has to land. Um, and so that, that's one message. The second message is taking up specific pieces um, of the SDGs, as you will see in the SDG action zone that we have around food systems. Uh, the Food Systems Summit is really a huge opportunity to bring in uh, government and civil society, indigenous people, youth um, to a climate action agenda. So climate action, you know, to be more tangible to the investments that can be made there. And then, as I said before, what does the transition mean? Um, I think we have to put a little bit more behind that um, uh, in, in terms of what this does as it, as it goes from 40,000 feet down to the ground into women's lives um, into, I mean, look, I, I think that we, we are having to say so many things need to happen now. Um, you're hearing in Afghanistan the pushback that there would be on education, on women's rights. Uh, we need to say women are up front and center. Um, that's a message. Uh, we have some great women leaders that are here at the General Assembly in person. Um, and so it'll be, you know, also speaking to them and, and, and consolidating the efforts that they're making to get behind women. Um, we will speak uh, thirdly, and I think lastly, to peace. Uh, for me, the, the peace part of this conversation um, has to be one about prevention. We can come out and be more peaceful, but we need to sustain it. So we need to see peace in Afghanistan. We need to see peace in Somalia. We need to see peace in the home where gender-based violence in countries like this went up 300%. Um, we need to see uh, peace sustained um, across some of the, the more protracted uh, um, conflicts that we've had, be it Palestine, or Syria, um, or um, as we've seen um, in, in many parts of Latin America, a different kind of conflict, a different kind of tension. So a message of peace um, that, that uh, will resonate with each part of uh, each part and each member of the UN family. Uh, so I, I know we must let you go in a moment. I did want to ask one final question. Uh, you mentioned the Food System Summit, which is happening uh, this coming Thursday. Are there any other events or moments or diplomatic encounters that you are particularly looking forward to that you would want to highlight or cite to our audience as being particularly noteworthy, important, or consequential uh, to uh, a successful UNGA? Well, the first one you saw today, you know, young people came in to disrupt us to keep the promise in the SDG moment. Uh, but I think it's really important to watch out for what leaders will say as we open the General Assembly. That is why we come here. You heard me talk about our global town hall, um, but that is for the global village. This should not be, it's individual and collective. So individual member states that belong to that, you know, our humanity, um, the global village. So I, I expect the, G, the GA to be a place where we really look um, to the most powerful of nations 
to see what they're going to be saying about um, genuine and credible investments in the recovery um, from the pandemic. And then third, we will have a, a, a number of events. I can't say any is more important than the others, like asking me to choose one of the SDGs. But uh, certainly Food Systems Summit, the high level dialogue on energy, which ought to give access to um, billions of people um, and, and to speak, as we did today at the round table on climate, where leaders came in a closed door meeting with the SG to really be very frank about what these gaps are and how we need to address them getting to COP26 um, in December. Uh, well, Madam Deputy Secretary General, thank you so much for your time and for kicking off our week of special coverage of the UN General Assembly. Thank you. Thank you very much. Great to be with you. Thank you again to Deputy Secretary General Amina Mohammed for speaking with me. Now I am glad to introduce into our conversation Yamid Danier, Director for Climate Negotiations at the World Resources Institute. Uh, welcome, Yamid. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me here. Uh, so, Yamid, earlier today, the Secretary General held a closed-door meeting with many, many of the key players in international climate diplomacy. After emerging from that meeting, Antonio Guterres had some remarks for the press. Let's listen. I convened this meeting with Prime Minister Johnson for a very simple reason. It is a wake-up call to instill a sense of urgency on the dire state of the climate process ahead of COP26. On Friday, the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change issued a report on the national determined contributions, the commitments of all parties to the Paris Agreement. Based on the present commitments of member states, the world is on a catastrophic pathway to 2.7 degrees of heating instead of the 1.5 we all agree should be the limit. And science tells us indeed that anything above 1.5 degrees would be a disaster. Yamid, clearly action on climate is a top priority for the Secretary General for the reasons he articulated. Can you help situate a meeting like this in the broader context of the current state of play of climate diplomacy? Why would the Secretary General convene a meeting like this today? Well, this is a meeting of, you know, bringing all head of states, you know, at highest level. And earlier in August, we heard the, you know, the report, we, we, we all heard about the report from uh, all scientists, the greatest scientists around the world, the IPCC, uh, telling us, you know, that, you know, while we still have a small window, you know, to reach, you know, the, 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 to fulfill the promise of the Paris Agreement and keep the, the world safe with a 1.5 degree C uh, temperature increase, global temperature increase, you know, this window is really uh, decreasing, um, is disappearing. And, and, and last week, um, we had two reports, you know, um, uh, uh, amplifying that alarm, you know, the fact that um, when you look at all the climate plans um, submitted by countries so far, you know, we are on a course to 2.7 degree, as you heard, you know, the UN Secretary General. And, you know, in addition, there's a lack of solidarity. You also heard earlier, you know, the Deputy Secretary General noting how important this is if we really want to get to where we need to be. 
um, uh, what developed countries, you know, had promised, you know, in 2009, you know, has not been, you know, fulfilled. You know, they promised to mobilize 100 billion per year, and that has not been reached. We are still 20 billion short, you know, every year so far. So, you know, we are not where we need to be, and I think the Secretary General wanted to really bring leaders, you know, at least representative from different regions, different, um, you know, types of countries, you know, to, to look themselves into the eyes, to have a frank, close, but frank conversation to see, hey, you know, we're in war mode. How do we get into spirit mode, you know, to get to where we need to be and to provide the right signals by COP26? And it was also with an attempt to build trust among countries, you know, to do that in a space where they could speak a little bit more freely uh, and not in public. On that last point of building trust between countries, I mean, it seems we're at this unique moment where rhetorically, at least, most world leaders, maybe, I don't know, Bolsonaro from Brazil is an outlier, but most world leaders of major countries at this point are rhetorically you know, committed to doing something about climate change. Yet there is still this profound contention, uh, as you just articulated, about like what needs to be done. Uh, you referenced just now mobilizing $100 billion a year in climate finance uh, from developed countries to the developing world. That okay. seems to be a, a key bone of contention. Uh, can you, I guess, discuss where things stand on, on that point and also articulate other areas of contention as we kind of uh, are in the run-up to COP26? Yes, no, thank you. This is an important question. I think, you know, solid, the, the first point of, of contention is on ambition. Um, and, you know, we need to see major emitters. You know, first, you know, the developed countries were supposed to lead, you know, as per the Paris Agreement, but also previous protocols and the convention. Um, you know, to and but also major economies, the G20s, those 20 countries that represent about you know 80% of global emissions. You know, they need to act. And there's been also a report uh, released last week, you know, showing that if you know they submit you know plans that align with a 1.5 degree C uh, temperature goal, with you know net zero, um, reaching net zero by 2050. And aligning that with 2030 targets, as per the IPCC, we can reach about 1.7 just with those 20 countries. And, you know, which means that it can still keep, you know, the 1.5 degree C within reach, you know, but they really, we are not where we need, to, we are far from this. So I think, you know, one of the major contention here is that you do have countries that are still very much like behind that have submitted um, NDCs that do not represent any enhancements, so or even backsliding, as you said, you know, with Brazil, you know, Mexico, um, that have backslided, and some, you know, developed countries were supposed to provide, you know, to send more, you know, um, to, to 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 demonstrate more ambitious targets, to come up with more ambitious targets. So that's one. This is ambition, and we will need to see signals from now, hopefully even tomorrow, when all leaders are going to speak, until, you know, COP26, we need to see, you know, the, the gap, the ambition gap getting closer. It's not going to be completely closed, we know that, but it needs to get, you know, to, 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 mm -hmm. to, to get reduced. Uh, 
Oh, sorry, go ahead. And we yeah. cannot do that. And we cannot do that without solidarity. We cannot do that without those, you know, one or one billion is not even what is needs, you know, to really power the transformation that the PC Secretary General talked about, you know, for a brighter future. What will you be looking towards uh, during the leaders' speeches this week in terms of uh, increasing that ambition that you just ar articulated? Like, what will signal to you uh, that leaders are indeed taking this seriously, not just rhetorically? So we, we need to see whether some countries are going to come up with their NDCs, those that are outstanding. About Which countries? Of countries. Any particular um, one you're looking for? <laughs> Um, we, we still need to listen to, to, to have the NDCs from China, from India, um, from other, you know, major economies and a few other middle income countries and small islands, um, vulnerable countries. So it's we, we still have about half of countries that still need to come up with with some NDCs. But it's pledges there, their climate action plan, but also signals that they are not going to support coal anymore, you know, that be, 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 to, to, to power a fossil fuel economy. Um, we also need to, to look at uh, finance uh, signals, pledges, you know, to see whether they are going to, to, to reduce, you know, the 100 billion gap. Um, we need to see whether there's going to be announcement to, to showcase solidarity with some countries in supporting some initiatives, you know, that can be transformative. We need to also see, and I think this is, that, that was also a point from the UN Secretary General, you know, to see whether the, the gap at the moment you have climate finance for adaptation that represent only 20% of the overall climate finance at a time when it is clear from the IPCC report, we also need to adapt. And we're not very much resilient. It's not just developing countries, it's all, all of us. And we need to also increase uh, the, the share of support to uh, adaptation to make uh, the world more resilient. And we hope, you know, to see also signals and to over, you know, toward the COP, uh, to see, you know, the whole community tackle losses and damage because there are limits to adaptation, to also take this seriously and to demonstrate also solidarity there. And finally, something in the COP, just at the COP, not during this week, that we need to see is to make sure that the rules of the game on how we get there, you know, are not undermining ambition. So it's, you know, how the market, the rules to use, you know, market mechanisms to be transparent and so on. That's going to be also important to make sure there's no greenwashing and all countries are held accountable. Well, well, thank you so much for speaking with me, Yamid. Climate will clearly be a thread throughout this week. And I am very glad that we we're able to kick off uh, in our first episode of the special series uh, with an expert on climate diplomacy. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. And if you want to know more, you know, come on Thursday. There's going to be the launch of a call for action, you know, to, to get a just an out an ambitious outcome at COP26. Well, sign you. me up. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Uh, so that concludes our episode today. Huge thank you to Yamid Danye and Amina Mohammed for participating in this special episode. We will be back tomorrow for day two of our special UNGA coverage. 
featuring Richard Gowan of the International Crisis Group and Anjali Dayal of Fordham University, who will discuss the key moments from the major speeches expected on Tuesday, including from Antonio Guterres, Joe Biden, Emmanuel Macron, and more. Follow or subscribe to the podcast to get this episode as soon as it is published tomorrow. See you then. Today's episode was produced in partnership with the United Nations Foundation. Special thanks to Rajesh Merchandani of the UN Foundation and to our production team, Julie Magliacci and Daniel Cherney of Revent. If you have a question for me, tips or comments, please connect with me on Twitter at Mark L. Goldberg or use the contact button on globaldispatchespodcast.com to send me an email. And do share this episode and let any friends or colleagues know about this special series throughout this week. I am very excited for what we have in store. All right, see you tomorrow. Bye.